Hello out there and welcome to the Fantasy World Order Fantasy Baseball Podcast presented by Fantrax Radio. I am Pat Donovan. You can find me on Twitter at PatrickFWO. Alongside me are Nick Ligatino. hi And Joe Saunders. What's up, everybody? You can find me at JoeFWO on Twitter. Hit us up. And you can find Nick at NickFWO because he didn't remember to give his Twitter handle. <laughs> <laughs> well, right now I'm only posting like player unknown battleground tweets so i was about to say yeah you're you're posting video game tweets but okay me and pat are are having uh baseball discussions yes yes uh okay before we get into the news and notes and our third base preview i just want to remind those of you that are listening on the fantasy world order feed this will be the last week we are going fan tracks radio exclusive as of next week Please subscribe to the channel, leave a review on there, and hit them up on Twitter and let them know that uh, you like the show. All right, so we actually had some news and notes this week, which is amazing because it's been remarkably slow. So Garrett Cole was traded to Houston for Colin Moran, Joe Musgrove, and Michael Feliz, and a minor leaguer named Jason Martin. What does the trade do to your view of Cole? Is he up, down, or the same in terms of value? Yeah, for me, he's the same. I, I liked him this year going into the season. Uh, last year, he put in a full year, and that was really my worry with him was his durability. He had a lot of um, uh, fatigue and fatigue issues in the past, so he put in a full year, and that kind of alleviated my worries if, if he could handle a full workload. So I, I'm excited to see what he could do in, in a fresh, uh, with a fresh new start. I love the stuff, always have. Um, he's got great command, great control. He's got everything you want in a pitcher. I, I think he could wind up turning in. He could wind up being a top five, possibly uh, even better pitcher. So he's all over my radar. But okay. the move doesn't move the needle that much. I like the regardless. Uh, it definitely moves him up for me. I was down on him. Um, I was worried a lot about Cole. Um, we were big fans of him last year, but I was worried after seeing what I saw last year. Um, with that said, I think Houston has the ability to unlock a lot of his potential, as I'm sure they'll realize that the curveball and the slider are his best weapons and that he should use it more. Hashtag Homer. <clears throat> um, I, I think his value is about the same. Um, the ballpark's a little bit worse. Um, there's a lot of positives that he's leaving behind. NL, better ballpark. Uh, Ray Searage is no bum. I know Houston has had a track record of, of improving pitcher performance. So is Pittsburgh. Um, <clears throat> team is a bit better, obviously. They're the World Series champions, so win total may go up. But I don't recommend chasing wins. Um, to me, to even if he takes a step forward, the negatives in being in the AL, being in a worse ballpark, are going to outweigh whatever step he takes forward. I think he has to take a leap to really improve in value. Um, so I'm keeping him right where he is. So let's move to the Pirates' return. Uh, Jason Martin's unlikely to see the bigs this year, but what's your outlook on Moran, Musgrove, and Feliz? I, I like Moran. Six four two zero four. He's a big boy. Um, he has a lot of pop. Last year he paced out for thirty six home runs in AAA. I, I, I definitely keep my eye on him, and he's, he probably will get playing time. Uh, Musgrove, I like a lot as well. He doesn't really walk guys. Last year he struggled as a starter pretty bad. Uh, he had a 300 batting average against and a 6.12 as a starter. 
but he's got great stuff. I think he just needs to figure out a, what his third pitch is. You know, he's got his uh, slider and his fastball that work pretty well, and then his, and then about nine other pitchers that he throws uh, equal parts. So I think he's got to come and really find a good a good third pitch, and he'll round out as a really solid starter. I'll uh, I'll pass Moran to you, Pat. I know you got some good stuff on him, but as far as Musgrove goes, um, I think something that's underrated here is that he will have stability um, in his position. He's more than likely going to start, and it's something that he didn't really have in Houston. He bounced back between the bullpen and starting, so I think some stability will help him. And um, I think if he lets go a little bit and isn't afraid to walk a little bit. A few more guys, I think you can see some improvements in strikeout rate and keeping the ball in the yard. Yeah, I just want to add on Musgrove. I, I saw a tweet from Eno Saris from Fangraphs um, that stated Musgrove um, said that the velocity boost that he received wasn't from the pen, but from a mechanical adjustment. Um, and he made a start after his return from the disabled list. And he had the 94 um, that he kept through the end of the year. So there's a chance that he keeps some more of the velocity than you might think he would. Um, I also think it's important that he keeps the grounders more so than he keeps the velocity. So if he goes down two ticks but keeps the 50-plus percent grounders, I think he could be a value. I think he's a good late flyer. On Moran, uh, he's got a fantastic glove. Uh, he made a change last year that's being dismissed because he was old for, for his level. Uh, he traded ground balls for fly balls, which is what we want to see. Um and was successful with that approach in terms of batted ball distribution. I think he looks a little bit like Nick Castellanos with a better walk rate. He keeps a high line drive rate despite the fly balls. Um, I think he's definitely worth the flyer late and I would plug him in. We're going to talk third base tonight, right around 25. Um, and Feliz just quickly, good reliever, bunch of K's. Um, he's a little too hittable and he's got some control issues, but there is a chance he could see, see saves later this year. Um, if Rivero gets traded, which now looks unlikely because he was extended, but you never know. Cheap relievers are a pretty valuable currency in today's market. So maybe Rivero gets moved even with the extension. <clears throat> okay. Andrew McCutcheon also from Pittsburgh was traded to the giants for relief pitcher, Kyle Crick and outfielder, Brian Reynolds. Uh, McCutcheon had a nice bounce back year last year after a down 2016. Do you view the value as up, down, or the same in San Francisco? It goes up for me a little bit, actually. Um, he hit 382 in AT&T Park from 2015 to 2017. Um, and, you know, he definitely came down from where he was in 2014, where he was just one of the best players in baseball. So maybe a change of scenery, a new coaching staff is what he needs. And the Giants coaching staff is great, hitting and pitching. So... Uh, and they, they're pulling on a lot of good hitters right now. The, the team looks good. The rotation looks good. They're going to contend, and now he's got something to play for. So Yeah, uh, I'm moving up a little bit on him too, um, mainly because I think the uh, the lineup's probably going to be better around him, especially considering that they'll still probably add some sort of piece to center field because uh, he won't be playing center. So uh, I, I think the lineup will be better. Um, but I think for as far as a, a long-term analysis of what we're going to do on him, I think I'll save that for when we talk about him in the outfield show. Yeah, I think his value stays about the same, but I'm with Joe. If they add another piece, I'm willing to move him up from a counting perspective. Um, I think he basically is what he is at this point. Mid-20s pop, around double-digit steals, 280 hitter. Boring, but um, we like it. Yep. This seemingly opens up a spot for Austin Meadows in Pittsburgh. 
you expect him to start the year with the team or be a midseason call up? Uh, I mean, listen, it's too early to tell. We have to see what happens in spring training. But I do like Meadow, Meadows. He's got a good uh, walk rate, good K rate. Uh, he's a dual threat for power and speed, though he's mediocre in both categories. He's still young, and we could see the power take a little leap. I think he's a good contact hitter. If he doesn't start, he'll be up very soon. Yeah, I think he's going to be up by about June. Um, I think the Pirates might take a chance on a cheap outfield option and hope to flip him. Um, you know, I was, I was thinking about Jose Batista here um, as somebody that could sign to a one-year deal, and then maybe if he starts the season hitting 15 homers in a month, they could trade him. <laughs> oh, my God. That means they have to put him in the outfield, though. Yep. Um, but with Meadows, um, I'm a little higher on the power and the speed than I think Nick is. Uh, I like the profile, the prospect a lot. I think he's, his production has been hurt by injury. Um, I, if he comes back from injury, I, I think he's a potential 20 homer, 25 steel guy down the road with a solid average. Uh, so I think he's a worthwhile stash in mixed leagues. If you have minor league stash spots. Okay, Jay Bruce signed with the Mets, three years, 39 million. He had 37 homers over what is pretty much a full season between 2016 and 2017 with the Mets. Can we expect more of the same from Bruce? Are you over or under 30 bombs? Yeah, I'm over 30 bombs. <clears throat> Jay Bruce just keeps getting heat, uh, hate year after year, but uh, 2016 and 2017. Yeah, it's, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, 33 plus, 33 plus home runs in each, each of those seasons. Uh, 250 plus average, which is certainly livable. Um, and he's got yeah, the stolen bases are kind of like gone from his game, but he has the potential to steal five, and that's a plus. I, I like Bruce, and I don't understand the hate to this point. He's gonna be fine, he's gonna do what he does. He does the same thing every damn year. Yeah, I've got nothing to add. Yeah, I mean, he's a top 25 ish outfielder year after year, and he's going 45th off the board again. It makes no sense. Def I'm over on the bombs. Are you guys over on the bombs? Yes, I don't think over. I over on 30. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Okay. All right. Addison Reed signed by the Twins. Who are you taking first, Reed or Rodney? And is that even if you're taking Reed, is that even if he's getting the save, if Rodney's getting the saves to start the year? Yeah, I'm I'm taking Reed because I can never in a million years draft Fernando Rodney. He is the worst. <laughs> he is the worst pitcher of all time, but yet <clears throat> he just has to be the closer. Like if you draft for him, he just has to be the closer. So he's gonna be the closer. But it's Addison Reed. Reed is so frigging good. I don't understand how this guy isn't like an elite closer on a team. Like somebody just doesn't lock him up. He does not walk anyone. He strikes guys out. He's got great stuff. He doesn't blow saves. I, I, I don't get it. Uh, I mean, because he kind of turned his career around. What do you mean? Like he 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 went from really really good to like so so, right? And then. He had a little bit of an injury, and then he came back, and then like he turned his career around as a Met. Well, yeah, the, well, yeah, okay. So the last two years, he's been great. Is... Yeah, yeah, and he started off really well. All right. Anyway, not to diverge too much, but yeah, it's Reed. It's not close. I'm definitely drafting Reed. Yeah, I mean, your worst case scenario is what Rodney closes all year and is a ratio killer. Meanwhile, Reed gets you elite ratios and helps everywhere else except for saves. So yeah, the answer is Reed. Um, okay, Brad Hand was extended. With the extension, it appears unlikely San Diego is going to move their closer. With the full season of saves, where does Hand rank among the closers? Yeah, he's top 10 for me. This top guy 10. is yes. – he, he had a higher? Sixth. 
Oh, well, all right. Well, that's top 10. Um, but yeah, I, I absolutely love this guy. He was ridiculous last year. 11.80 K per nine compared to a 2.27 walk per nine, 2.16 ERA. And he's done it two years in a row. Uh, yeah, I'm all over this guy. I want to own him. Yeah, the good thing is, is that he doesn't suffer from uh, any splits of any kind. He handles righties uh, just as well as he handles lefties. So yeah, top top 10, easy. Miller Light. Pun intended. Oh, boy. Jimmy Nelson, he is apparently ahead of schedule, going to start a throwing program next week. How much does he rise with this news? Oh, hell yeah, he rises. (laughs) I am all over this guy. I'm going to own him in every league I'm in. I don't care. Done. Yeah, the big question mark was his health coming in, and so this is hard not to like this news for sure. his, His stock goes up. I mean, I'm I'm maybe just being cautious here. I, I took the position that I was going to be out until I heard good news. So now I've heard some good news, and I'm going to give him a bump. But he's only in my 70, only in the 70s among starting pitchers right now for me. Can you guys give a general range as to where he is as of this moment for you? Pitching wise, I mean, 80. Listen, among starting pitchers, uh, I'll, no, I'll tell you overall. Overall, he's in my top 110. <laughs> what? Overall. Oh, oh, overall, overall. I yeah. thought you meant starting pitchers. No, no, no. no, no Nick's no. not going to do that because he's going to be difficult. Joe, can you yeah, give me a range among the starting pitchers? Uh, yeah, I'd say probably, probably closer to like sixty. Okay. What? Oh my god, you guys are nuts. Nick, we don't know where he is for you among starting pitchers. You could have eighty-five starting pitchers in he's front of top, him. He's top twenty. He's top okay. fifteen. Oh, definitely not that high. Yeah, top 15. Wow, wow, that is ridiculously high. Okay. It's not ridiculously high. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, it's not top 15. Okay. Curtis Granderson signed with the Jays. If he sees close to full-time at-bats, do you think he's going to have relevance? Uh, The Grandy Man can. The Grandy Man can. Uh, This is another guy, just like Jay Bruce, keeps getting the hate. Um, But, yeah, he he definitely has slacked over the last couple of years from where he was back in – you know, 2015, 2014, but still 2017, 26 home runs, six bombs. You hate the 212 average, but he's not a 212 hitter. That's going to come up. And I like him for 20 plus home runs over five steals and a 250 ish average, which is rosterable. Uh, I don't know if it's rosterable. It might be fantasy relevant. It depends on how deep your league. I think in a 12 team league, this really isn't particularly useful. Yeah, I agree. I think it comes down to league depth. Standard mixers, he's probably a hot streak free agent type. Deeper leagues, OBP leagues, leagues where you have daily lineups, I think he's a little more feasible because you can hide him against uh, lefties. But I could see like a 25 homer, 10 steal, 250 type season with good counting if everything breaks right. How is that rosterable in only deep leagues? Talking about 2010? I'm talking about very, very best case. Okay. So. If you're going to expect him to do his 100% upside, yeah. Okay, let's move to third base now that let's we're plowed through the news. And that kicks off with Nolan Arenado, currently 5.11 on fan tracks, 5.9 on NFBC. The production is outstanding, but he appears to be the consensus fourth man. Can you make the case for Arenado among the top three, with the top three yeah. being Trout? Goldschmidt and Altuve in some yeah. order. 
I actually would take Arenado third overall. I would take him over Altuve, and I love Altuve. But I'm taking Arenado because of the elite runs and RBI totals. And they're going to continue. Nothing's happened to this lineup. It's still really, really stacked. They have good guys in the minors waiting to come up. Um, and we could see a bounce back from certain players who struggled last year on the team. But Charlie Blackman being there and all these other guys, Trevor Story, um, you know, uh, it's just 130 RBIs back to back to back years. Who else has done that? I, I, I could confidently say no one else in baseball without even looking. I haven't even checked it, and I could say that no one else has done that. Um, and he gets you also a plus average, 285 in each of each, each three of those years. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm taking Arenado top three. I'm taking him over uh, Altuve. And third base is also a little bit more shallow than second base. I think that has to be the argument because um, it's hard to pass up something like 25 or 24 home runs and 30 steals because uh, that's what you're getting out of Altuve. Um, I could buy wanting to buy the counting stats. The, the, the runs in RBIs. Um, I think you're splitting hairs. Yeah, I mean, he's number four for me. The counting stat production, as Nick said, is out of this world. Three straight years of 130 RBIs, close to 40 bombs, good average, and he's got improving discipline. He's a four-category horse. I don't have an issue if you want to take him third or even second overall. Um, I, I think it's pretty clear we have Trout and then three players – and it's three players, those three players is whoever you like the most. I, I think that the I think the top four is, is pretty clear and set apart at this point. Okay, Chris Bryant, Fantrax ADP 12.6, NFBC 15.52. He's got outfield eligibility in five game starts formats. Three years in, we have two very good seasons and one elite season from Bryant. Do you view Bryant as an elite fantasy option or just a very good one? Yeah, I view him as an elite option. I think that he has the potential to be uh, a top three player in baseball. I loved him, you know, before he came up. I know you liked him a lot, Pat, before he came up. Um, you know, he had a little bit of a down year last year, but he's on a great team once again. He's got Rizzo in front of him. He's got Baez and Happ and a bunch of other good guys on that team. I love him. I think that he's a lock for over 30 bombs and a 290-ish average, and it's going to come with really good counting stats. Uh, I'd like to see where the steals go this year. I, he only had seven last year as opposed to eight and 13 in uh, the years uh, before that. So I think he returns to 10 steals again. And if he goes 30-10 with a really good average and all those good counting stats, he's going to be phenomenal. I have him ranked way higher than his ADP. Um, and I'm dying to get him in the first round. I hope I do. Yeah, so he saw a little bit of an exit velocity dip last year. But I still think uh, that he's he's more of a low 30s home run guy than than what he showed last year. Um, just in general, he doesn't jive well with the StatCast numbers, but, I mean, he's done it for a number of years now. I also think that the RBI totals will come up um, as the Cubs kind of struggled out of the gate last year. So I'm totally fine with taking him here. Yeah, I mean, even though the results were down in 2017, he improved in several areas. Plate discipline, plate discipline he's sporting a sub-20K rate now with corroborating contact and swinging strike gain, gains. Um, that means any questions to me regarding the batting average, which were present when he came up, are, are now resolved. Uh, I think he's like a 285, 290 hitter with 35-10, um, which is an elite player. I, I think he's going to be a fairly regularly elite player going forward, and I expect an elite season this year. All right, Manny Machado, third, Franchise ADP 17.6, NFBC 
He's also shortstop eligible. Armed with that eligibility, there's no down-year discount on Machado in terms of price. Should there be? And are you okay with spending a second-round pick on Machado? Yeah, I'm definitely okay with spending a second-round pick. I still have a weird stigma about Machado because of the injuries in years past. And you know what? It's really dumb. Like, he's put in three back-to-back full seasons. But I'm just that kind of person. It just scares me off. He had the knee injuries. I think it was both knees, too, uh, in 2014. Well, one so. was a fluke, right? Yeah, but still, like, I mean, it, like, in 2016, he stole zero bases. Last year, he stole nine. 2015, 20. It's kind of been inconsistent, so I really don't know where to rank him as far as his stolen bases go. And if you watch him run, he's really not that fast. Uh, so it's hard for me to make a projection there. But as far as his power goes, that's another place that I'm kind of like, I don't know where to put him. Like Steamer has him for 39. I don't see that much power. And Steamer's, you know, he's always a lot lower than us. And, and is all, especially me, I like to go over the top. But I see him as like a 32, 33-ish home run guy with like five to 10 steals and a healthy average. So I don't know. I, I, I like him as a second round pick. I think he'll return value, but I'm just not a Machado guy. Yeah, so I mean, you just you just mentioned how much you liked Arenado because of the run in RBI total, and I think that'll happen with Machado when he bounces back. Because I mean, the bad ball profile looks like this just really was a lot of bad luck. Um, so I think he'll be he'll be a safe bet to bounce back in those runs. And then we're talking about you know over two hundred runs in RBIs, which is like fairly elite territory. Um, and even if he doesn't, even if he only hits 33 home runs or, you know, 34, 35 home runs and steals a handful of bags, that's still, that's still an elite company. I'm totally okay with taking him here. And I don't think there should be a discount. Yeah. I too like him in the second round. Um, to me, he looks like a little more volatile version of Bryant, but with that shortstop eligibility, the volatility stems from his BABIP. But I'm not too worried, as, as Joe outlined. I think that the bad at ball profile indicates that last year was just a lot of bad luck. Um, I, I think the baseline expectation for Machado is about 280, 35-10. And if he does that at shortstop, he's going to be more valuable than Bryant. I only have Bryant in front of him because I think Machado's probably got a lower downside when he's healthy. Okay, Jose Ramirez, fourth. Fantrax ADP 20.54. NFBC ADP 19.91. He's got second base eligibility as well. After breaking out in 2016, Ramirez took another leap forward in 2017. Is your projection closer to 2016 or 2017? And which dual eligible player do you prefer, Machado or Ramirez? So I, I think the stats are going to be closer to 2017. I don't know if he hits 29 bombs again, but I think he does come close to it. I know you don't think the power is as real as I do, but uh, and I'm taking I'm taking Ramirez over Machado. He gets a huge bump in batting average. He's he's a lock to hit 300 plus. He's just such a good contact hitter. Sprays the ball all over the field. Um, you know, he's a really short swing, but he could dial it up and hit home runs out of the park. He's got good power. I love him, and I got him projected for 25, 25, 300 plus, which, which I've been calling him all offseason, Mookie Betts light. Yeah, love so him. as we discussed uh, offline, um, the floor is a bit steeper with uh, Ramirez and Machado. Uh, I, I think it's probably closer to like 15, 15, like we said. So um, I'm just more confident taking Machado here, uh, one for one. 
with that said, I think I agree with Nick. It's it's hard to argue with the batting average upside. It's somewhere probably close to like 330. He can just hit the ball very, very well. So um, I I wouldn't I don't really have a beef with taking Ramirez here, but I think I'd prefer Machado. Yeah, I prefer Machado. Uh, to me, I think Ramirez is going to kind of fall middle ground between 2016 and 2017. I'm pretty much on board with Steamer's 2017 to 97 projection, except I give Ramirez a few more points in batting average. And I think at that level of production, he might be a little overpriced by about a round. Um, the real question is going to be the power. And as Nick hinted at, I'm a little more skeptical than he is. Um, last year, he definitely made adjustments. This fly balls, he produced more power, um, more pulled fly balls, and harder contact on fly balls um, compared to 2016. Um, but he was 258th in fly ball to line, fly ball and line drive velocity, below average on barrels per batted ball event. 216th on 95 plus mile per hour percentage of hits. It just seems to me the power is much more likely to be 20-ish than 30-ish. Um, so I, I think that that outlines where I stand on Ramirez. Nick, do you have any kind of rebuttal or can we move along? No, we can move along. Okay, Josh Donaldson, Fantrax ADP 27.29, NFBC ADP 29.09. Despite some missed time, Donaldson was still awesome on a per-game basis. Is there value in this price, or is it a trap and you are buying damaged goods? <laughs> Hell yeah, it's a value at this price. If, 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 <laughs> if you don't think this is a value, then there's something wrong with you. You're, you're probably the same guy who doesn't like Miguel Cabrera until the 10th round. You okay, schmuck. are we unanimous on that? Yes. Okay. All right, Nick, yeah. continue. Just wanted to clear that yeah. up. I mean, look, last year he was, you know, on and off injured, um, but he still paced out for 40 home runs, and he's done that the last three seasons. So uh, nothing's really changed here. I, I love the guy. He's going to give you a ton of pop. And if he plays, let's just say 150 games again, forget about it. He's a first round. He's a he's going to give you first round value. Yeah, the only thing I have to say is I don't think you can count on 150 games. Right? He started last season with a back injury, which were huge red flags for me. I was totally down on him. So uh, I was definitely wrong. But so uh, I, I don't think you can totally buy in on 150 games or 650 plate appearances anymore. But uh, yeah, it's hard to pass up here. He's really good. I'm glad you brought up the, the missed games, Joe. Because <laughs> I did a little analysis. And last year, somewhere between two-thirds and three-fourths of the season, Donaldson produced 33 homers, 140 runs plus RBIs, while triple slashing 270, 385, 559. Now, this is somewhat of an inexact science, but if you factor in a third of a season from the 18th-ranked third baseman last season on ESPN's player rater, Yuli Gurriel, which I'm saying is replacement level in standard leagues, you get six homers, 23 runs, and 25 RBIs along with the 300 average. If you put that with what Donaldson did, you get 39 homers, 190 runs plus RBIs, and a 280 average. So basically, the injured version of Donaldson plus a replacement level player was Nelson Cruz, which is a really good floor for a guy that missed 45 games last year. Yeah, that's really good. So <laughs> now, obviously, if you're going to get more time out of Donaldson, the results go up and get better. But even in what most would consider a worst-case scenario, nearly 50 games missed, Donaldson would still be a really 
good fantasy asset. I love this price. I am so on board with this. Duh. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Alex Bregman, sixth. Fantrax, 38.31. NFBC, 36.07. Bregman has shortstop eligibility. After a slow start, Bregman lived up to his draft price last year, but this is another step or two beyond. Can he turn a profit at this cost? Oh, boy. I'm in love. I'm in love. Uh, yeah, I really, really, really like this kid, and he could definitely return profit. Um, such, such, such a good contact hitter. I think last year's 284 average could turn into something like 300 this year, and that's, that could go along with 25 bombs, 15-plus steals. I'm all over him. He's gonna give you. Uh, he can give you a similar return, uh, similar similar stats to Jose Ramirez. I'm actually surprised. I'm honestly surprised. But uh, my notes I have down here on Bregman is I went with the Nick analysis. Right, I've watched Bregman play a lot over the past year and a half. Um, the swing is extremely tight. It's fast, and despite the small frame, he generates a lot of power. Um, I think he can very easily make it to mid-20s pop this year with close to 15 steals, like you said, Nick, and a 280-plus average. Um, all of this on Houston's crazy, crazy offense. The counting stats will be there, too. I do think the price is a tad bit high, but I yeah. think he's going. I think he's right in in the spot where he's going in third baseman, and I think I'd like him at, like, 43 or 44th overall, a little bit better. Hey, Pat, before you go, Joe, real quick, uh, real quick, because uh, – do you think that he has 300 plus average potential this year? Because I definitely do. Like, um, I, and I think the odds that he hits over 300 are like 50 50. Like, I think he could do it easily. I, I think it's, yeah, I think it's close. I mean, I think he'll probably end up at like 293, which okay. is like splitting hairs, but yeah. He's got, he's got a great swing. Yeah. I mean, long term, I definitely think that he's a player that's going to have at least one 300 average season during the course of his career. He definitely has that kind of ability. Um, but, you know, uh, he had a great second half last year. It was extremely impressive. 315, 367, 536, triple slash, 11 homers, nine steals, over 297 plate appearances. That's about a 25-20 pace with 200 runs and RBIs. That's awesome. That's That's a stud. But I do question the BABIP in the second half. He had a 332 Babbitt, despite an infield fly ball percentage of 17.6. He also traded some line drives for grounders. It's a little bit splitting hairs there. But I think he's closer to what his career Babbitt says, which makes 332 not a baseline, but a possibility. Um, where my trouble comes in with Bregman is, is that the batted ball distribution isn't ideal. He pulls his grounders 60.9% of the time. And is more center and oppo with his fly balls than pull, um, 24.7% pull rate, uh, which is key for power. Um, the gains he made in terms of strikeout and walk rate, I think, are for real. I could see a slight, a slight <clears throat> tick up in case because he made 75% O contact, which probably he won't be able to sustain. Um, I just don't know that he's going to reach that 25, 20, 310 level without a change in bad ball mix. Um, the good part is he can probably be 2015 to 90 with great counting numbers and not need to hit that kind of upside at this price at shortstop to be worth this pick. And he's only 23 years old. 
Let me ask you this. Do you think he's worth the price if he doesn't have shortstop? I do. I agree. I would have him at least around lower. Well, so I actually I actually think he should go around lower anyway. Right? Okay. I think I think I have him like 42 or 43 overall. I don't have him in front of me, which is like yeah. about a half around later. It's about a half around, yeah. Okay. All right, seventh, Anthony Rendon, Fantrax, 51.97, NFBC, 60.22. Another player that reached another level last year. Has he put it all together, or do you think a return to 2016 production is more likely? Who do you yeah. prefer, Rendon at this price or Bregman at his price? I definitely prefer Bregman, and it's not really close uh, because I think Bregman – first of all, Bregman's 23, like I said before, and he's making adjustments as he's in the bigs. He didn't have a long minor league stint, so he could only get better. Um, and you know, his first full season, he struck out 15% of the time. He's just – he's going to be a stud. As far as Rendon, I think I kind of have an idea of what his ceiling is. And I just don't see him hitting over 25 bombs. I don't think the speed is really there for 15 plus. But yeah, the average is good. He's a good contact hitter. He walks as much as he strikes out. That's a beautiful thing. He's but, not just a good contact hitter. He's an excellent contact hitter. Yeah. I just want to interject there. Yeah, no, he is. and He's like he, truly elite in contact. He kind of reminds me of Daniel Murphy in a lot of ways. But he also reminds me of Daniel Murphy as far as upside goes in home run stolen bases. Um, where I think they both kind of top out at like mid twenties home runs, around ten ish stolen bases, and he's in and Rendon his average. I don't think he will go higher than like go can go higher than like three ten, which he which is still really really good. But I have him projected right here for uh, twenty three eight uh, three hundred average. Just it's kind of like just kind of vanilla to me. Yeah, that's close to my projection too. I think the important thing to note here is the difference in ADPs, right? So we have Fantrax ADP at 52 and NFBC at 60, and that's a two-thirds of a round, right? I think the difference here is that the pro, the, the professional, uh, the prof- professional writers and such just want the steals, and I think this is more a knock on on people drafting Rendon without steals than something like chasing chasing Bregman and he's and he's too high uh, I, I I don't know I mean I really like it I I think his his discipline is truly elite like I said I don't know Pat what do you think well let me ask you this Joe Rendon at this price or Bregman at his I think I'd still rather have Bregman but I think this is a really good price for Rendon too okay all right. Well, I mean, Rendon made noticeable play discipline gains. He upped his walk percentage 4%, cut his Ks 5%. Um, as Joe said, elite contact guy, 5.1% swing strike rate, just a chase rate of 21%, contact percentage of 87%. Uh, I, those changes look very for real to me. Um, he's always had the profile of a guy that's going to put forth a, an elite hit tool. Um, you know, Nick mentioned Dan Murphy, and this is a guy that has Dan Murphy's fingerprints all over him in terms of the changes that he's made. The fly ball percentage is up nearly 15% over 2015 before Murphy got there. The quality of his contact has always been appealing. He's a guy that doesn't make a lot of soft contact, only 13%, um, and just an 8.3% infield fly rate for last year. Um, I could see a 30 homer season at Rendon's peak. 
but I feel much more comfortable projecting him at 23 through 25 homers um, with high single digit steals um, and an average somewhere between 275 and 300 with ample runs and RBIs on what's a good team. Um, it's tight. Give me Bregman because of the shortstop eligibility and Rendon ha- does have some missed time in his recent past. But I-, I think if it was third base versus third base, if Bregman didn't have the shortstop, I'd take Rendon at this price <clears throat> over Bregman. 403 OBP too. It's ridiculous. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Justin Turner, eighth. Fantrax, 73.83. NFBC, 88.48. Low mid twenties pop, a few days off here and there, and a two ninety three seventy five hundred slash sound about right from Turner? Question mark. Now let's compare Bregman at the three four turn, Rendon at the five six turn, or Turner at the six seven turn. Who would you want at that price? Yeah, it's it's still Bregman Bregman for me. I'm just really really high on him. His his ceiling is higher than all three in my opinion. Um, Turner is obviously getting the old man discount here. And I like it, but I'm just not a Turner guy. He's going to be 33 this year, and I I don't know. He's it, the 322 average is a bit inflated. I think he's going to come down to like more of a 295 between 290 and 300 type hitter. It's going to come at low 20s home runs, uh, some steals. Also, very Daniel Murphy esque right here. Yeah, I think the reason why Turner is so much lower than the other two is that. Sh- like I just said before, he's definitely slower than the other two. I mean, his uh, StatCast sprint, sprint score is 352 out of 451 eligible players, or that's the bottom 23rd percent. I'm actually in front of him. I'm faster than him. <laughs> yeah. See, he's not He's not going to catch up to Bregman anywhere. He's not going to be anywhere close to Bregman in stolen bases. And so I did a little, I did a little bit of a deeper look on how his run totals have been so low the past two years, despite getting on base at at elite clips. I mean, I know he, he missed a little bit of time last year, but uh, he scored a run every 7.54 plate appearances last year with Rendon at seven and a half and Bregman at 7.1. So I think that just shows that Bregman's the fastest and on the best team. So I'd still rather have Bregman too. That was a long, Joe that was a long to call the Astros the best team. Right <laughs> That's all that came down to. Yeah. Uh, for me, it's really a repeat of the same story from Rendon, except Turner is older, and Bregman offers more speed and position eligibility than Turner. Um, I, I still think I might take Turner at six seven and use the additional picks at other positions, considering what else was available, especially at that time in the draft. Turner's got excellent command of the strike zone. He's extremely intelligent. Um, he's one of the founding fathers of the fly ball revolution. Um, you know, the Dodgers have an elite lineup around him. Yeah. He's going to miss some time on and off. Um, and as Joe mentioned, he's not quite the base runner that the other two are. Um, but I think I'll bank production elsewhere and take Turner as my third baseman at the cost. Okay. Miguel Sano, ninth fan track, 74.4 NFBC 82.43. There's a few areas of concern here. We have the sexual assault allegations, the injury risk. He's never reached 500 plate appearances at the MLB level and a K percentage north of 35%. What concerns you the most? And are these factors enough to scare you off? 
Uh, I'm scared off regardless, uh, regardless of all that. I, I just honestly was not a big Miguel Sano guy. Um, but please tell me how he batted 264 last year. It's because he's a elite, an elite BABIP guy. Yeah, he did, it, he did it the but, first year too when it came out. But with a uh, with a 36% K rate, who who has batted 260 plus with a 36% K rate that you could think of offhand? Chris Davis. Chris Davis. All right, and then that and what? How many years did Chris Davis do, do that? Not many. Yeah, not many. So uh, I'm batting against Sano here. I think that uh, not that I think we all know the power is real. We all know what he can do. He can absolutely crush the ball, and he's a solid lock for 35. No, no, 30-plus home runs if he plays 140-plus. But there's a real, real downside with his batting average. And you know what? The key rate didn't really get that much better last year. In fact, it was only 0.2%. So I need to see a big, big uh, increase in the right direction in that category in order to trust to know because the floor could absolutely fall out. And we could see a year where he bats – you know, 220, 230. It's in the realm of possibility. I'd much rather wait and take a guy like Joey Gallo, who we're all going to go crazy over in a little while. So you're you're most concerned about the K rate? Absolutely. Okay. It's almost as if you wrote my notes, Nick, because I have a lot of the same stuff. The only thing I'd like to add is that my biggest concern is actually just playing time in general. Uh, Between the sexual assault allegations and so much missed time due to injuries. Uh, I just don't feel safe that it'll be anywhere close to 500 plate appearances. So I would definitely rather have Turner than Miguel Sano. <laughs> um, all right. So let me just touch on the contact. I, I agree that I, I agree with Joe. I think the playing time is my biggest concern. But he actually got worse last year in terms of his actual skills. Related to contact, even though the K rate was a little bit better. He had an 18.3 swinging strike rate that was way down. A 29.1% chase rate that was up. And his year-over-year contact percentage declined. Um, So I'm a little worried that – I I thought that last – not last year, but 2016. um, He showed skills that indicated that he would have a – uh, K percentage that would drop somewhere between three to five percent. This year, he definitely earned the thirty-five percent K rate. So, even though the numbers might look a little bit better from last year, the skills weren't. Um, and as Nick said, you know, he's a three sixty-two career BABIP guy, but in two thousand sixteen, he ran a three twenty-nine. And that resulted in a 236 average. So the Babbitt won't always be there to save him in every single year. And he could very easily hit 220-230 in a season. Um, I think that factor combined with the playing time issues um, pushes him down. How far down do you both have him? I, I have – I mean, I'm taking, I'm taking probably the next, like – Seven, seven. I'm taking a lot of guys over him. I have him at like 20, 20th overall on my third baseman. Mm, he's not that low for me, but he's in and among the cluster of, like Nick said, the next eight or nine guys. Um, I probably put uh, Devers, Shaw, 
Moustakis. Probably Gallo. Gallo. Seager, Seager. Beltre in front of him. Yeah. So that's yeah. probably around 16, I'll say. Yeah. That's a rough number. Sounds about right. But if he gets good news on the suspension front, I could see picking him up a little bit. Yeah, I think upside is like 13th or so. Yeah. Okay, uh, that's fair. All right, so Rafael Devers, uh, 10th at the position, Fantrax ADP 91.74, NFPC 133.87. Devers had a successful MLB debut and slugged 30 homers across three levels last year. Are you buying a breakout from the Red Sox phenom? Which ADP more closely aligns with your valuation, Fantrax or NFPC? And once again, let me just say, Fantrax 91.74, NFPC 133.87. Yeah, I think he should be uh, at the NFPC uh, range. I, I do like I Devers. Agree. I do like Devers, and I do like the upside here. Um, I see him this year if he if he does get all the playing time and he puts in let's just say 140 plus. I like him to hit 20 home runs and steal close to 10 bases with a good average. He's he's a good another good contact hitter. Um, I like the player in the future. We, it was definitely too much of a small sample size and people are jumping all over it as they always do year after year. But let's see how it plays out in a full season. And I'd really like to see the guy put some muscle on. <laughs> he is like 200 pounds of pure flab. Lift some well, weights. He's like 10 years old. Yeah. I know, but it has zero muscle tone whatsoever. Just hit the gym a little bit, please. Yeah, this is definitely a bit of an overpay. So full disclosure, me me and Pat have him in our Dynasty League. We've had him for a number of years now. So yeah, we've I'm had very, him since he was six. I'm very excited. Yeah. <laughs> I'm very excited for him to come up, but I think this is a little bit of an overpay. I think, uh, you know, he'll he'll probably get to like mid, mid-20s home runs, but this is like paying – for 30 like it's in the bank so uh, i think the nfbc adp is better than the fan tracks yeah i agree with you guys and i think long term he's like jose abreu at third base what do you think about that comp as a long-term view? Uh, I, that's a really good uh, comp I, jose abreu no I, yeah. don't, I don't see that like 30 home know. runs 290 300 yeah but he steals bases not for long. When he puts on that yeah. muscle you're talking about, Nick, he's not going to be so fast anymore. Well, he's got to drop a couple pounds, but. He- <laughs> <laughs> All right, let me let me just touch on some things. Um, he's got really good bat the ball skills, as Nick mentioned. Um, so I think he can keep a pretty high uh, O contact percentage, but I'm a little nervous about the O swing at 36%. I think that could lead to K problems. And the 12.4% swing strike rate indicates that last year's K rate may have been a tad low. I'm not sure he earned a 342 BABIP that he had last year. Uh, he had some problems with grounders and infield flies. So if the BABIP is going down and the K rate is flat or worse, then suddenly he's like a 265 hitter with mid to high 20s pop. That's like a lot of other guys that we're going to talk about coming up, except those guys are going anywhere from 30 to 70 picks later. So, yeah, I'm with you guys. I think the NFBC is correct on this one, and I think that this is a little rich on fan tracks. Okay, 11, Travis Shaw, 92.74 on fan tracks. NFBC, 90.74. A switch to the NL at Miller Park was very kind to Shaw. 
The market does not appear to be buying the breakout dollar for dollar. Is he a value compared to the Rendon, Turner, Bregman bunch? Or is there reason to believe that last year's breakout was an aberration? No, I'm I'm buying it. And, you know, I when I started looking at last year for sure, I'm like, look, and I'm looking at all of a sudden I'm like, wait a minute. He's only 27. For some reason, I thought he was a lot older than that. It feels like he's been around forever. I don't know why. But, uh, yeah, it's 6'4", 230. The pop is real. Last year, he made some gains. He swung at a lot less pitches outside the strike zone, made a lot more contact. I really like the player. I think that 30 home runs is repeatable. He's on a good team, good lineup. What's not to like? What Are we getting boring? We're, like, agreeing. Yeah, we are. Up and down. So, yeah, so... Shaw's in, in the company of names like Carlos Santana, Eddie Rosario, Tommy Joseph, and Francisco Lindor for barrels per batted ball, of, ball event, which is essentially what we thought might happen if he moves to Milwaukee, like mid to, to high 20s pop. That's exactly what we thought. So um, I don't see why why everyone wouldn't buy that this is for real. Uh, one thing that does concern me a little bit is that uh, he's not particularly fast, but he makes up for that with extremely, extremely smart base running. He's been very efficient throughout his career. So I think he's a near lock for something like 26 to 29 home runs, 5 to 7 steals, and a 265, 270 batting average. Yeah, that's about right. Yeah, I mean, I you guys pretty much laid it out there. I completely agree. Um, I, I think that most of it's for real. I don't think it's quite to last year's level. But I'm willing to give him 27 bombs, 10 steals, and like a 265 average, which is a very, very good player at this point. Okay, 12th, Mike Boustakis, Fantrax, 102.14, NFBC, 101.74. We finally saw the prodigious power of Moustakis last year. A repeat of 38 is unlikely, but let's set an over-under of 32 and a half. Uh, I'm going under, and I know you're probably going over because you've been a Moustakas guy since like 1984. Um, That's not true, but that's that's okay. What's not true? I have not been a Moustakas guy since 1984. I liked him last year. Oh, I thought you've always liked Moustakas. No. All right, whatever. You had to make the changes, and then he made the changes. I'm under. Uh, that's the number for me. Do you think oh, he's well, going to hit guess. exactly 32 and a half? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 30, 32. I thought, I thought 32 was the over-under. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm with Joe. Actually, I've got him at 33 homers, so I'm right on the line. Shocked because I came up with the number. Um, just to torture myself, I did the spray chart over City Field. He would have added seven homers. <laughs> Just the torture by <laughs> <laughs> I just want to touch on a couple of things with Mustagas. The the stack has data is not great on him, and I think that's a little manipulated by the fact that he hits so many fly balls and that he's got a high pop-up rate. So I think that kind of twists his numbers in terms of soft and hard contact. Um, Mustagas has always been a player that grades out well from a power perspective. I do wish he would take a walk a little more often, given that he has pretty good command of the strike zone and that he doesn't strike out much. Um, but I, I think you're looking at a guy that's going to hit somewhere between 265 and 275 with low 30s homers. 
Um, the average could tick down somewhere around 245, 250 because the Babbitt profile is bad. But I, I, I like Moustakis as long as he doesn't end up in a park that's terrible. I, I'm optimistic that he can come close to repeating last year. Um, you know, when San Francisco traded for Longoria, I said to myself, all right, well, that's that that's that's one off the list that would really drain him. So we'll see where he ends up. Nick, is um, this... but I don't think I don't expect him to move too much based on that. Go Nick, ahead, Joe. Is, Sorry. Is, no, no problem. Nick, is this too high for you for Moose? Yeah, because we're about to get to Joey friggin' Gallo. <laughs> Let's roll right in then. Okay, He's too Joey high for Gallo. me too. Joey Gallo, thirteenth. Fan tracks one hundred five point six three. NFBC one fifteen point seven four. Speaking of prodigious power, Gallo is the poster child. He made some gains in the second half, but the market seems apprehensive. Are you willing to invest a top 100 pick in Gallo? Yeah, I, I definitely am. And if someone gives me one good reason why you should take Sano over Gallo, please come forward and tweet me or tweet all of us because we all want to hear your uh, your side on that story. Um so Gallo, without a doubt, has the most power of any third baseman on the entire board. Correct or incorrect? Yeah. Any, correct. Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And it's and see. You see how quick they answered yes because it's not. There's no question. <laughs> there, there is no question. Now, if the question is asked, who, does Gallo have the most power of any infielder on the entire board? Well. You got to think about that for a second, but the answer is probably yes, too. Stat cast, darling, exit velo through the roof, launch angle, blah, 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 blah. We know the deal. <laughs> Let's just say, so the other day we had a long conversation about Gallo, and I asked the question. Let's just say that key rate comes down 2%. Let's just say that steamer is right, and it comes down to two to 34.5, which is in the realm of possibility. Possibility. Let's just say it comes down to 34.5, and he plays a full season. What you are looking at potentially is a guy who you took at 100 and something that can hit 45 plus, maybe even 50, who can possibly hit 230 and drive in a ton of runs and RBIs, whatever. But the the bottom line is this. The power ceiling is absolutely enormous. He's up there with Judge and Stanton in my mind. And, in, in my mind. I have two minds. In yeah, my I, mind. say, you have <laughs> I have multiple. I'm like Kang from uh, from Ninja Turtles. No, uh, <laughs> this, this this guy is an absolute beast. I love the upside. He didn't really make that many advances as far as his swing. In fact, he swung at more pitches outside the zone. But he's still young. He just came up. He's only 24. It, it, the guy is 6'5", 235 of pure rage and muscle. People. <laughs> Pat, I'm going to let you take this, but I just want to say one thing first. Joseph Gallo, if for whatever reason you are listening to this podcast, I highly doubt it. But if you are, hire Nick Ligatino as your agent, and he yeah. will make you a lot of money. Yeah. He will use all of his minds. <laughs> yeah, I'll use, I'll use both my minds. Pat, take it away. Okay, listen, I think there's reason to believe that Gallo's K rate could hit the level that Nick talked about. He actually did it in the second half last year. His K rate was 34.9%, which, mind you, is below any K percentage ever put together by Miguel Sano at the MLB level. And the projection systems have caught that change. And Gallo's pattern, pattern for improving his K rate along the way which he has done at every single level. In A-ball, 
in year one, 37%, down to 26% in year two. At AA, 39.5%, down to 33.6% in year two. At AAA, 39.5%, down to 34.6% in year two. And at the MLB level, between 2015 and 2016, which were very small samples, 48%. Last year, full season, 36.8%. This is a player that comes up to a new level, struggles, and then gradually improves. So I think that Steamer's K percentage projection of 34.5% is very attainable for Gallo. And if he gets there, you're looking at, as Nick said, a 45-50 homer player with an average you can probably make work at the 220, 230, maybe even a 240 level. Pat. And I think he's like the perfect – oh, go ahead, Nick. I'm sorry. Pat, put put him and D Gordon together for everybody. Yes. Okay, that was what I was about to say. Come if you this is the perfect guy to put with D Gordon. So if you put them together, you might get 50 homers, 60 steals, and a 260 average. Mm-hmm. A pair of 27 homer, <laughs> 33 steal players that hit 260 are going to go for a much more expensive price ah. than a third round pick and a ninth and tenth round swing player. Yeah, that that just broke the podcast. That just yeah. gave me chills. Wait, to to I'm gonna piggyback on this and add some more love to Joey Gallo, but he's got underrated speed scores too. He's up yep. there with VR, Justin Upton, and Gregory Polanco, who you associate with really fast guys. So yeah, so I mean, you're looking at a player that can hit 40 and steal 10. Yeah, mm. awesome. Hello, yeah. just have that's to like- survive that like 220. <laughs> oh man, I'm excited. <laughs> All right, so we've gushed over Joey Gallo. Let's move to Jake Lamb, 14th. Fan tracks 109.97, NFBC 118.52. Lamb had another productive year last year, but there are some red flags. Struggled in the second half again and was putrid against lefties. Do you think you can invest in a platoon player at this price? And while we're on it, is Lamb a better play in daily lineup leagues than weekly leagues? Yeah, he's definitely a better play in daily leagues, obviously, because you could start him against righties. But um, listen, I was on Lamb when he was 10 years old, and uh, apparently I didn't call it because it was a different Jake Lamb. I don't want to get into this again. We've had this <laughs> argument too many damn times. I don't know and why you keep bringing it up then. <laughs> because I, I, nobody knew who Jake Lamb was, and I loved him in 2014. And you were just like, who's Jake Lamb? You're an idiot. But look what he look what Jake Lamb has done. He's looked great. Um, but yeah, no. I'm listen. not even sure it's actually the same guy. I think it was actually a different Jake Lamb. Yeah, it was, it was a different like a picture for the. Pirates. It was a different Scooter Jeanette too. Anyway, um, <laughs> listen. Uh, bottom line is this: he's definitely better in roto leagues uh, because at the end of the day, he's going to give you thirty home runs, five plus steals, a two forty five average, which is really really good. And like, this is a great price. I- I'm not sure why he's going this. This, this far, but he's done it in back-to-back Because he years. can't hit lefties, and he's been mean? bad in the second half. Two but who, in a row. Who, who does that matter in Roto League? Hmm, that's that, a good point. That's that, But that's my point. It doesn't matter in a Roto League. In a Roto League, and I don't know what the percentage of Roto versus head-to-head, but I would imagine that Roto is more than head-to-head. Is that correct or incorrect? Yeah, I, I think so. Well, let me, let me say this about Roto. Um, the Roto crowd might also be afraid that his inability to hit lefties is going to lead to him losing playing time. 
Okay. Well, and, and, and that's fair. Um, but listen, the, the, the power is real. Uh, last year he made some gains. He walked another, his walk rate went up for almost 4%. Um, and I, I just love the player. I love the swing. There's a lot to like about Jake Lamb. It's a guy that the reason why I liked him was because he was a very good contact hitter in the minors. He made a swing change like everybody else in America. And now he's hitting 30 plus home runs. Um, I think we could see an uptick in average because he's such a good hitter. And if he improves against lefties just a little bit, just a little bit. We could see a breakout season in 2018. So I, I got Jake Lamb all over my radar. This is definitely a format thing, though. In weekly leagues, uh, I'm okay with the, the the cautiousness in drafting him. But in daily leagues, he's got to be higher than this. Because the production is so good uh, hitting righties um, on a day-to-day basis, on a per-play appearance basis. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely an instance where weekly versus daily comes into play. Third base is a deep position. Right now, Lamb is going as a player that would either be a, a corner infielder or a, a utility guy in 12-team leagues. Um, if he's in those spots, it's easier to play the platoon game um, and then avoid the triple slash versus the lefties, which is 144, 269, 288 last year. And then to take advantage of the triple slash against righties, which was 282, 386, and 552. Um, in weekly leagues, it's a little more difficult, but not impossible. Uh, and as I said, you know, I, I think that there is some concern out there that the Diamondbacks might look to play Brandon Drury over Lamb at third base and then plug in either Owings or Marte, um, whoever doesn't take the shortstop job at second base. Um, I, I think he's a pretty good asset. I, I just think you have to kind of maximize him. And I think he's someone that a high maintenance owner can handle. If you're not going to, you know, be hands-on day to day or, you know, week to week where you just like to set it and forget it in terms of your, your bats, then I don't think he's the guy for you. Yeah. I'd also like to add to you that. I don't know if the book's really out on Jake Lamb being, um, uh, a slow second half guy, right? Like everyone knew Teixeira was a slow starter, right? I don't know if everyone, like the, the community at large knows that Lamb is a, is a, is putrid in the second half. So I think if you're, if you're in a league with, you know, less savvy owners, you might be able to sneak a trade in, in, in early June or something and, and, and reap the rewards for, for the slow, slow second half from Lamb. See, I don't know if I buy that he's definitely a player that's doomed in the second half. Um, you know, but it, it just, it's never been a narrative that I've bought into. Um, you know, on, on occasion, there's a rare player that um, it does happen to. Like, I mean, like I buy it from like the catching position, right? Like I buy it in terms of Salvador Perez because yeah, that's a position that wears you down. Yeah. I, I don't know if I buy it from for Jake, Lam- Jake Lamb just yet. Um, but, you know, it's a fair point. Okay, 15th, Nicholas Castellanos. 115.77 on fan tracks. NFPC, 108.65. He's got outfield eligibility. In fact, he's going to play it this season. Um, we followed up his quasi-2016 breakout with a 26-homer, 800-plus OPS season in 2017. But are you concerned about what's left around him? 
No, I'm not concerned. In fact, this ADP is beautiful. We've been on Cassianos for multiple years. I'm really on Cassianos now. I think last year's second half breakout, which where he actually hit 16 home runs in 72 games with a 299 average, I think it's real. And I think it's going to stick. I've always been a fan. He's a great hitter. He's a smart hitter. He's got the power. Let's not forget. All right. So the first half last year, he came in, he batted 248 up until the all-star break and he had 10 home runs. Let's just not forget late 2016, he broke his hand. So he could have been, you know, he could have had some side effects starting the year with that. That's a really good point. Yeah, he could have had some side effects with that to start the year. He also had a strained quad to start the year. Um, so that could have just hindered him. He could have maybe shortened his swing and was trying to hit for contact more so for the, than power and came out in the second half and, and brought it back 100%. Uh, but I have always liked the player. He's still just 25. I thought he was a little bit older. Um, and I don't really care about the lineup. I'm not giving him the, giving him the lineup discount. He still has good players around him. And now, in fact, he's going to definitely be at the top. Last year, there was the question, can he be the uh, – Osmus came out and said he might uh, be the sec- the number two hitter. And he might be this, he might be that. Now he's solidified in that top four somewhere. I, I absolutely love him. I absolutely love the price. And of all the guys we just named, even Gallo and some guys we're going to get to, I think he might have the sweetest ADP and is the, the safest for a return. At this point, so two things I'd like to add here. Uh, nothing really about Cassianos himself, but um, he's definitely the definition of a post-type sleeper. He's only twenty-five. Um, it seems like he's been around forever, forever. Yeah. But he's got the excellent hit tool, right? And like you said, Nick, he's got mid-twenties pop, handful of stolen bases. There's n- there's not a, a lot not to like. Something I wanted to add, and Pat, you mentioned you you discovered this, uh, I think, sometime last year, and that's that the Statcast gun, or for lack of a better word, uh, we think runs hot in Detroit. Um, Upton, Miggy, and Castellanos all had very high exit velocity numbers. And yeah, I think estimate- there's some literature out there on it if you actually look for it. Okay, okay. Thank you. But so the esti- estimators are always really, really high, and they predict huge upside in the Detroit players. So I would just be cautious when using StatCast information to uh, project the Detroit Tigers. That's all I really wanted to add here. Yeah, no, I, 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 that was useful because it, it is in my notes as well. Um, my only thing with Castellanos is, is that I don't know that there's much upside beyond last year. Um, I, I think he's like a 275-ish hitter with 25 homers. I could see a 30-homer season, absolutely. But I don't think that there's like a level above that. I don't think he's going to turn in 300 average ever. Despite the elite hit tool, he does um, carry a bit of a strikeout rate. And I don't know that the power is at the level of 35-ish home runs. Um, you know, Nick made a great point about the about the broken hand, and I hadn't thought of that. Um, so, so maybe I need to revisit that. But what do you guys think? Do you think that this is a player that – has an upside beyond yeah, 280-25. I, I think he could hit 30-plus. ceiling for 30? I think he could certainly hit 30-plus. I'm actually so confident. What's, so like, what's his power ceiling in his best-case scenario? Best-case scenario, 35 home runs, 290-plus average, five steals. And, I, okay. and I, I, I'm predicting I, – I, my projection for him this year is 30 home runs, 287. Okay. Joe? Yeah, I'm much – 
much closer to you, I think, Pat. Uh, I'm, I think he's like a 25, 26 homer guy. So that's where I've got him. 89 mile per hour exit below, 14% launch. I literally I know, just, I know. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Okay, Joe, let me ask you this. What do you think is more likely, 30 homers or 300 batting average? 300. Hmm, really? That's, See, that's, I think the 30 homers is more likely. Yeah, I agree. Okay. All right, let's rank them. Mustakis, Gallo, Lamb, Castellanos. Mustakos? Mustakos. Mustakos. Man, you just combined. Mustakis and Castellanos just had a baby. <laughs> Wait, Lamb, Moose, <laughs> um, Cassie, and who? And Gallo? Gallo. Oh, my God. This is tough. All right. Joey um, Gallo. Fine, fine, fine. Vacuum. It's Gallo because of uh, his obvious upside. Then Castellanos. And then probably Moose. And then Lamb. Interesting. It's Joe? Gallo, Lamb, Castellanos, Moose. Right? Okay. I go Gallo, Moose, Castellanos, Lamb. But I'm willing to flip. Moustakas and Castellanos, depending on where Moose ends up. Okay. Is that fair? Yes. Okay. Fair. Would okay. we all agree that uh, they're all pretty close, though? Yes. No? Um, no, I don't. I disagree. I, I don't think. I don't think Lamb is in the conversation with uh, with Castellanos or Gallo for me. For me. Okay. Okay. Eduardo Nunez, sixteenth. <laughs> Fantrax, 117.89. NFBC, 130.48. All sorts of eligibility. Second base, shortstop in 15-game started formats. Outfield in 20-game played or 15-game started formats. No idea where he's going to end up playing his games, but he's clearly a high-average, double-digit power, 20-plus steal guy over 500 plate appearances. The price of speed at an all-time high is he actually a value considering his eligibility and the likelihood of twenty-plus steals? Yeah, this is this is really the weirdest ADP for this me on the, on, the, on, on the entire board. Now, we last year we talked about Eduardo Nunez and we said how um, it wasn't really a shock that he did the sixteen forty year. I mean, yeah, listen, that was that was a, a phenomenal year and it was definitely unexpected. But when you looked at the years past and paced out his stats. He did have the pop and the speed in years past, but um, and then I think we said that he's got the pop and the speed to put together something like 10, 25, 280, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, this is odd, and here's my main problem with Nunez. And I'm a big Yankee fan, so I, I watched a lot of Nunez. Uh, it's that he chalks up to be like a perfect utility guy. So where he, yeah, he had a great year in 2016. But he could sign with a team and be a utility guy. It's it's not really out of the question. If he goes to a good team, uh, he could be that guy that you know get only sees the plate 115 times, and yeah, that's just for me. The ADP is there's no return there. I do like the player, and if he does play a full year, I do like him to hit you know 15 ish home runs and steal 20 something bags. I don't. I don't see the 40 uh, stolen bases happening again. He is fast, but he's not 40 stolen base. I think that's his absolute ceiling. Um, but the average is nice. He's a nice player, but he's not rostered. How is he going before Kyle Seeger? I'm looking at Kyle Seeger's name. just like, duh. Like, how does that happen? <laughs> how? Who's taking Eduardo Nunez over Kyle Seeger? Kyle Seeger had a bad year last year. But what do you mean a bad year? It wasn't even a bad year. It was a bad year no, for Kyle it Seeger. Wasn't, it wasn't a bad year. I agree. This is honestly just just 
this is terrible. This is truly terrible, right? Like, don't don't make the mistake of drafting him. Nick, you harped on it. You know, he doesn't have he, we don't know where he's playing. <laughs> and in Boston, he was so so in the roster. In San Francisco, they weren't sure if he was gonna play every day, if he was gonna play the outfield, if he was gonna take Brent Crawford's spot. Who the hell knew? Right? And all of that, right? He bummed his knee last year. And on top of that, I'm just adding on, right? He went from he he in the second half he stole seven out of eleven seven stolen bases out of eleven attempts, which doesn't sound too bad, but that's only sixty three percent. So he wasn't very efficient stealing bases either. I think st- stolen bases is just a part of his game, but I, there's just so many red flags that I, I hate this ADP. Hate it, man. Joe, would you turn this a Fantasy baseball abomination. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Joe is all, I've never heard Joe more fired up about yeah, a he player. he was pretty fired up about this one. <laughs> Listen, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to defend it, but I will acknowledge the fact that the versatility is great. Um, you know, he's got almost every position on the diamond. Um, I would definitely rather have Seeger and Beltre who are going behind him. And there's just not much upside here. But if you need the bags, and he's going to steal 20-plus. But he, we don't know that. You don't know. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know that either. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure he is. You're outruled. That's You're okay, out-ruled. fine. I'm outruled. But I'm, I'm pretty sure he's going to find a job where he's going to play enough to get him 500 plate appearances. And if he gets 500 plate appearances, I feel confident he's going to steal over 20 bases and do whatever else he does. The 10 homers, the 280 batting average, whatever. Yeah. It's not sexy. I get it, but that's not a combination that's available. No, we're not saying, I don't think me or Joe is saying it's not sexy. We're saying that we don't know if it's sexy. We don't know where he's going to sign. Let's say, let's say tomorrow he signs with, you know, boss. I don't know, just any team. Let's say he signs I mean, with a team tomorrow, Pittsburgh, and we know he's going to get playing time after they, if, after they if, move if, Harrison. If he signs tomorrow and he has the playing time, then then ADP is okay. I think it's still expensive, still right? expensive, but it's better, yes. right? But right now, I think uh, people are drafting him with the assumption that. He's going to have the playing time. Okay. Yeah, he's so, just yeah, I think I, it, he's just such a good role player, though, like Nick said, that I'm worried that he might not sign and have plate appearances. It's not like he's like a really, really good – like it's not like he's Moustakis, yeah, right? Like, exactly. Moustakis is for sure going to start at third base somewhere, right? Nunez is not th- that guy. He's not. Okay. It's a fair point. It's a fair point. I, I do think he's going to find the playing time. I still think it's expensive, but again, I can understand it because at some point I know we're not the steals guys, but (laughs) you have to find the bags eventually. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. Okay. And he's a guy that you can plug in anywhere in your lineup to get them. Okay. Kyle Seeger, 17th, 133.94 fan tracks, NFBC 135.17. With everyone hitting 25 homers, Seager's profile is not as exciting as it once was, at least to the market. Do you think he could work his way to another power level in this ha- homer-happy climate? Well, let, let me re-say that. 
Do you think he could work his way to another power level in this Homer happy climate? Or is he strictly a 260, 25 to 30 Homer bat in the bank? All right. So let's just say that that is the, let's say that that's the bank and that's what he does this year. 25 home runs, a couple of steals, 250. At this point, isn't that ADP pretty good at 135? To say that, to, to my point is to comp, to be, to have that safe a floor. Like Kyle Seager's floor is 25 home runs, 250, and some steals, and really good counting stats on a great lineup. Um, I absolutely love the ADP. I think he returned. I think that he hits around that between 20, between 27 and 31 home runs. He The average comes back up to 270-ish, 265-ish, and he's going to have good counting stats. Uh, there's nothing not to like about Kyle Seeker. He's still young. He's only 30 years old. He's going to produce um, all over this ADP. I don't know if that's young. Well, uh, no, I mean, still, <laughs> he's not old. I'm saying he's not no, old. No, no, he's not, he's not. Uh, so I think this is a case of Seeger trying to partake in the fly ball revolution and kind of failed. Um, flies in general, if they're not going over the fence, are bad for BAPIP and batting average. Um, so I think that's actually just what happened. He tried to partake in, in the revolution and the balls just didn't go over. Um, so I, I imagine he's just too good of a hitter to not realize that. And I think he'll he'll adjust back to what he was last year and he, he'll be super safe. I, I like him. I'm, I'm in with this. I actually think there's a 35 homer season in his bat. Um, last year he was above average on barrels. His average distance on fly balls was top 25. He was top 50 in balls hit uh, 95 miles per hour or more. He had a strong 38% hard hit rate on fly balls and has two years in his recent past where he had hard hit rates over 40% on fly balls. As Joe said, he's clearly a believer in the fly ball revolution. He took it to another level last year. I think he went a little too far with 51.6% fly balls. Yeah, which, a lot. Given the fact that he the homers didn't leave the yard, dragged his batting average to a low of 249. Um, I think the average is going to come back up. And maybe he finds that ideal level where he can hit 35 homers and then still hit around 270. I have him projected for 27 homers and 265. I think he's a very useful player with an unbelievably safe floor. So I echo your guys' thoughts on on that level. I think he's vastly underrated at this price. I love the price. I wish I could get him here. I doubt I will be able to. Okay, Adrian Beltre, 18th. Fantrax, 164.83. NFBC, 154.35. Injuries limit Beltre to just 389 plate appearances and 94 games. But he was squarely on a 30-homer, 100-RBI pace. At the age of 39 on opening day, the market appears to have cashed out. Do you want to cash in? Yeah, I do want to cash in. Um, You know, the most interesting stat about Bellatrey, since 2000, between 2012 and 2017, he stole one base every single season, and that's consistency. (laughs) Uh, Really, really funky stat right there. Um, But yeah, listen, Beltray is a weird guy because we saw him have a couple of down years in Paris, 2014, 2015. Then he came back at an OR and hit 32 in 2016 last year as well. Paced out for 30 bombs again. Um, it's a good lineup. I, he's going to give you a good average. He's going to give you good counting sets. It's a matter of playing time. And at this point, you take the risk. I mean, if it's the 14th round, 
and you take Beltre, and let's just say he somehow turns in 140 games. For me, 130 is the magic number. If it hits 130, he's going to be he's going to return a value. If not, then it might just be uh, it's it's a problem. But if he plays 130, let's just say he's I think he's a lock for 20 plus home runs. He's a lock for close to a 300 average. He's going to get you good counting stats, and he'll return some value. And let's if you get lucky and he plays 150. You might get 2016 all over again, which is 32 home runs, 300 average. That's a top 10 third baseman season right there. It's more yeah. than that. Yeah, yeah, more than that. And 38, the- we, 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 we have seen guys in recent years perform at this level, a la David Ortiz. So it's not out of the realm of possibility that he can uh, produce at this age. I think it's worth mentioning that this position is really deep. I mean, we're talking about the 18th third baseman right now. Yeah. And everyone up to this point, is is valuable in some sense so um it's just worth mentioning that third base is really deep and you could afford to wait if if need be um with that said uh, he could return value all the way up to probably the justin turner class i think bregman rendon and turner are in a in a a, like a tier of their own where they're pretty safe um and you know what you're gonna get there uh but beltray could be all the way up there easily um so he's he's just mashed up with all these other players like the Shaws, the Sinos, the Devers, right? Where he can easily surpass them. And I imagine that this group of players, this large group of players, isn't gonna end up the same the same way that they're being drafted right now. So he's the last of this tier and he's going the latest. So I think he's he's worth it right here. This is a great pick. Yeah. Uh you know, I mean I just I just feel as though the market is missing the fact that he offers a different combination than all of these other players that we have talked about in the last, um, you know, half hour or so, the last seven, eight guys, because he offers the ability to not only hit for that 25 to 30 homer power, but he has the ability to hit for an average that's around 300. And not all these guys have that ability. I mean, we're talking about a lot of guys that are in that 265, 250, 275 range. This is a legitimate 300 hitter with 25 to 30 homer pop. Um, And I don't think anybody doubts the 300 average. I think the problem comes with the power. So if, if if he hits for the kind of power that he's capable of and the batting average is there, I mean, what's the difference between him and Justin Turner? Is the there steals. any? No. Are there steals? I mean, Turner's going to get like yeah. five, whatever. Well, yeah, he'll get, he'll get, I think he got seven last year. That, which, you know, that's something to count for. Yeah. Um, and, and, but, go ahead. Uh, well, well, Pat, I think I agree with you, right? That I, I think he can be all the way up there. It's just a matter of safety, right? Like you're you're drafting Turner all the way up there because you think he's much safer than. Yeah, Belcher. but is Turner really that much safer too? I mean, he's got that knee problem. Is it just that he was safer last year? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of my point. I I think people are are counting on Beltre's downfall based on age. And they're not willing to admit that maybe he just got hurt last year. And yeah, he's 38. I mean, the likelihood of injury is greater. The likelihood of him falling off is greater. But I mean, to me, this is just a total steal. I, I, I think that 
if he cashes in on his upside, his upside is beyond, you know, most of the players we, like I said, we've talked about for the last half hour. Mm-hmm. Okay. So quick question. Should Seeger and Beltre be going anywhere from two to five rounds after Shaw, Mustakas, Gallo, Lamb, Castellanos? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Wow, that's actually direct quote. Absolutely not. Right from my notes. Okay, 19th, Evan Longoria. 192.37 on fan tracks, 190.91 on NFBC. Does Longoria represent a teardrop for you, or do you have him in the same class with Seager and Beltre? No, I ha- I have him up there. I-, I-, I like Longo a lot this do year. Do you this really? Is- I do. This is this bro. Oh, sweet. A dude. disagreement. Woohoo. Dude, 190 overall for Longo. He had one. I mean, listen, we saw the power drop in years past, and we saw it go you know, out of control in 2016. We had a big comeback year, but you don't think he's a 20 home run hitter, do you? You don't think he's that's. That's okay, but that's year. not the question, right? The question is, is he in the same tier as those two other players? So would you take him at 160? 100%. Okay, I would definitely not. I would not. I, I Well, I would. And l- l- let me just say this right now. Well, number one, this lineup has just gotten a lot better. Really sexy. The one thing that's really sexy about this, about this lineup... Well, wait a second. Really what? sexy? Yeah! Really sexy. Oh, without a doubt. 100%. These guys. I don't know about that. (laughs) Look, you put Longo in between two guys who get on base as much as Posey and McCutcheon, and the counting stats could be there in a big way this year. Yeah, but I I don't think the Rays lineup was bad. No, it wasn't bad, but those guys don't really get on base that much. They're more boomer butts. You've got a bunch of streaky. You've got a lot of streaky guys. Uh, You know, you know who. Um, (laughs) He's referring to Um, Dickerson. Yeah, and you know, Suiza and these guys that they get on base sometimes. They get on, they, they get cold, and there's people shifting on the lineup cold, a lot. Dickerson cold, <laughs> ice cold. Yeah, um, you heard it here first. Let's save that. Let's let's save that. But um, yeah, and now you know, po- in between Posey and McCutcheon is a, a really really nice spot to be if that winds up being the order. But um, I do not doubt the power in Longo. I believe the power is there. You, we've all watched him play. He's got a sweet. Sweet swing. He knows how to hit the ball. And last year, he actually made some gains. Even though the home run numbers uh, don't show it, he uh, struck out a lot less, almost 5% less. And, you know, if he – and and also, I believe in the, the Giants coaching. I mean, they've done good things in the past with hitters and pitchers. They're going to contend this year. He's got something to play for. The reason why I like McCutcheon as well, they both have something to play for. I, I really like Longo this year. I think we could see something like 25-plus home runs, a 270-ish average, a couple of steals, and really good counting stats. I, I like him. I, I'm definitely more concerned about the power than you are. Uh, I mean, it, it looks like 2016 was an aberration. All right, but let's say it was an aberration. Forget let's, allevi- let's get rid of 2016. Average out the home runs to 2013 to 2017. And where are you at? You're at mid-20s. And no, in fact, look at the average his entire career in any full season. He's a mid twenties, possibly thirty plus home run bat. It's been up and down, inconsistent. I'll give you that. But I mean, he's either yeah, he's either a low twenties or a thirty home run bat. All right, fine, but he's still just thirty two. And yeah, uh, AT and T Park isn't the best field, uh, best ballpark for home runs. But I think the power is still there. And I didn't even look at his stat cast to be honest. But uh, we know the power is there. He's got a nice power swing. He's good contact hitter. He he definitely can reach that thirty home run mark. 
But we're right, gonna be Pat, Pat, mediate this. Go, 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 mediate. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you, Joe. I, I've got him for 23 homers, 260. Um, I, I mean, I could see him getting up there to the high 20s, but I think based upon the park, it's going to come with an average dip. Um, I, you know, I, I think that if he decides he wants to swing for the fences to pop the 30 homers, if that's what they want him to do, then you might be looking at a 250 or a 240 average, which he hasn't done before, but he's in a different situation. I don't mind him as like a utility or a corner or a bench option, but if he's your starting third baseman, I think something's gone drastically wrong. Wow. Yeah, I agree. You'd really take him at 160, dude. Dude, if I punted, if I completely punted the position completely and I wound up with Longo on my at third base, I would feel extremely safe there because the floor is not that low with him. You have to admit the floor is not that low. Like what's his worst year possible that he could do? 20 home runs, 250? Yeah, yeah, that's Work. fair. All right, that's, that's probably it. And that, that's not bad if you can if that's your last position fill on the entire roster. Mm, yeah, but you're giving up an advantage to everybody at third base. But he also has upside. But okay, let's 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 move on. Okay. Okay. All right, Ryan Healy, twentieth. Fantrax two hundred two point zero nine, and FBC one ninety five point ninety six. He's also got first base. He's the presumed starting first baseman for the Mariners after a season and a half with the A's. Do you think Healy will find some patience at the dish, or do you think he can Jonathan scope his way to value? Yeah, he could Jonathan scope his way to value. You know, I, when you look at the wall, well, let's let's just let's just stop right there, quick. Oh. Joe, what do you think? Patience, scope, or no, or neither? Wait, I'm sorry. What? <laughs> can he can he find patience? Can he be Jonathan scope? Or neither? Uh, neither? Neither. Okay, I think he's more likely to be Jonathan Scope. Yeah. Go ahead, Nick. Sorry. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think that we were going to agree on the same sentiment, which is that he's a very, very smart and a very good contact hitter. When he makes contact, it's good contact. And I do think that the, the walk rate is going to go up a bit. Uh, it's definitely the lowest we've seen it year to year for mm-hmm. majors and minors. So I expect that to go up to like a 5% or hover around 5%. And the K rate's going to come down. Where too. Scope is, by the way. Yeah. And the K, but the K rate's going to come down too. I see him. I mean, Steamer's got him for 23. Uh, I, I think he could come down to like a 20 ish area, uh, which would be the money spot. Um, but I really like the player. I, I liked him before he came up. There's a lot of pop in his swing, 6'5", 225. He's only 26 years old. Uh, I could see a season this year where he hits 30 bombs and bats 270. I like him a lot. See, my real gripe with Healy here is that I think there's players going after him that offer very similar skill sets, like Suarez, for example, or – Franco. Uh, or Chapman, or, or Franco, or even maybe Todd Frazier. Like, I think there's, like, a lot of similar guys. <laughs> mm, yeah, but Healy's got the, the average. That's his bread and butter over all, all these guys. Yeah, I, I agree with Nick on that point. Um, just some stuff to support my position. that I, I think he could John scope his way to value. He's got above-average fly ball to line drive exit velo. He's got above-average barrels. The average homer distance was 413, good for 35th in the league. His 95-plus mile-per-hour hit percentage was in the top 100. The quality of the contact is very, very good. Um, his his batted ball data was pretty much identical 
year over year until you look at the fly balls and see that his pulled fly ball percentage dropped 12%, which helps explain some of the issues, why the power didn't come through to the extent that some people thought it would. Um, despite a park factor decline for right-handed hitters, according to his spray chart, he would have had seven more homers in Seattle. Um, I think he definitely has the skills to be a plus BABIP guy. So, I mean, I see, I could see 275, 30 homers in this bat. Mm. Um, the issue is, is that he's probably going to hit sixth or seventh in the lineup to start the year. So I don't know that the counting stats will be there full season. Um, obviously, if he turns into a 275, 30 homer guy, he's probably going to move up in that lineup. Um, I don't mind him as a late flyer, but I agree with Joe. I think I like other guys' situations more. I just think that Healy might have a little bit more upside than some of these other later third base players. Are the, are the dimensions really that much better in Safeco than the Coliseum? Yeah, they're in. They're far right in. Right-handed now. power right. is three twenty. What is it? The right-handed power for Seattle, the park factor is ninety-four, according to Baseball Prospectus. It's one hundred two in Oakland. Oh wow! Okay. Oh wow! Yeah, it's it's a pack. It's a park factor decline. Uh, so, so something I have I have a question for you both. In OBP leagues, does he take a a hit? Yes. He's got yes. It, right. Of course. Yes, because he doesn't have the walk rate. Yeah, but yeah, I think he takes a similar climb. I think in batting average leagues because yeah, the average is going to be there. Okay, yeah, that's 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 fair. Okay, twenty first, Eugenio Suarez, two hundred six point nine seven in Fantrax, NFPC one eight nine point seven four. Do you think that Suarez could combine last year's power surge with twenty sixteen speed and two thousand and fifteen's batting average? Yeah, I, I do. I, I kind of like, I, you know, I was never crazy about the guy. I think because coming up, um, you know, he definitely, he wasn't really like a highly touted player. Um, and he didn't have the power or the speed too much. I mean, he, we saw the speed, but not, uh, you know, not anything that would make you uh, look at him and say, oh, this could be a breakout player. But He's been really good, and he made major gains last year. He his walk his walk rate jumped five percent. The key rate went down. Twenty six home runs, four steals, and I think that could go up a little bit. Two sixty average. He's a big kid too. You look at the kid; he's only five eleven, but he is jacked up. Uh, I think the power is real. Uh, Statcast looks good to me. I think he's a kid who could come out and possibly hit thirty. All these guys are so similar. We're talking about right now. It's weird uh, because we're kind of like. It sounds like we're saying the same thing, but they are similar players. I think Suarez could end up this year with 30, 30 home runs and a 255-plus-ish average. I like him. He's on my radar. And he could possibly steal 10 bases. He's a lot faster than the stats may show. Okay, I actually disagree with all of that. Wow. So wow. Uh, as, as far as the stolen bases, right, he is an incredibly inefficient runner. Okay, right? He got yeah. caught more than he stole last year. Okay. Right, so terrible. Uh, as as far as as far as the power stats go, right? He's got poor fly ball and line drive, exit velo, and he goes oppo forty four point eight percent of the time on fly balls, right? So he can definitely hit the ball hard when he pulls it sometimes, but I think since he goes oppo so much on those fly balls, it limits his his upside for home run totals. So I don't think he'll get anywhere close to thirty. I think he's more like a twenty twenty three twenty four. Home run guy. Yeah, but the v, the exit velo is not that bad at 86. I mean, that's not like 
that's bad that's, low. There are guys that yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's enough to get him to like twenty five home, twenty three, twenty four home runs. Yeah, right? but he's, yeah, but he's but got he goes one. he goes oppo so much. That's you, fine. Not, he's, he's got the he's got the launch angle at fifteen. At fifteen, I, if I, the, if the exit wait, if the exit velo goes up, just let's just say two or three miles. Let's no, that's a lot. Let's say it goes up one mile per hour. Let's say it gets to 87, 87.16 with the 15 degree launch angle. Let's just say. Dude, we he's got to pull the ball though. It's hard to hit home runs opposite field. It's, it doesn't matter how hard you hit them. You, yeah, but it's, there it's guys, just hard. There, there are guys who make the living off of that. So That's true. Yeah. Giancarlo Stanton. There you go. But Michael well, Conforto. no. Ugh. I don't know. I, I just think that since he goes oppo so much, it just limits his home run upside. And I think okay. he's particularly bad on the bases. So I disagree. I will break the tie. I'm with Joe. Uh, Ooh, I've got him Five steals <laughs> and 270. Um, I, I do think he's a useful player, though. Um, I agree. I agree, actually. And something that was not brought up, he hit 21 of his 26 bombs last year. At Great American Ballpark. So this might be a player that is an ideal platoon situation player where you just start him in Great American and then you roll another player for the rest of the games because you might be able to pick up a substantial amount of Suarez's power playing him strictly at home. Again, daily versus weekly thing. Although you might be able to take advantage of that in weekly too. Um and I also think the batting average has a little bit of upside. He's been very good in terms of maintaining a strong line drive rate. He's got the athleticism to beat out an infield single, and he makes good hard contact overall. Um, the contact percentage looks good. The swing strike stri- swing strike rate looks good. He doesn't chase that much. Um, I mean, I could see upside of like 285 in terms of the batting average, but I think the power is going to be low to mid-20s. Um, he's a useful player, definitely. It's just, I, I think you kind of have to manipulate it to make it work. Um, Michael Franco, 22nd, Fantrax, 255.81, NFPC, 245.3. A post-hype sleeper candidate, do you still hold out hope that Franco can cash in on his once considerable upside? Yeah, I do. I, I really like Franco. I always did. If you if you Google Michael Franco's name, the first thing that pops up is give up on Michael Franco. You know, whoever wrote that, take a hike. Michael Franco is going to have a big year this year. He's going to come back. He's going to hit 30 home runs. He's going to bat 250. He's going to have good counting stats. This lineup is underrated. Love him. Love the swing. Love everything about him. Forget the bad year. Forgive him. Forgive him for his sins. The lineup is sneaky good for sure. So, um, Mikel Franco, I, uh, I opened up the good old, uh, VHS and looked at some tape. So Franco made a, a, a significant batting stance change in September. And it's pretty clear as day. uh, you don't really have to look too deep into the tape. He opened his stance way up and saw some good results in the month. He saw his best batting average for the year, his biggest slugging percentage, isolated slugging percentage and hit. His fly balls and line drives harder than any other month. This is important because I'm not actually sure if the opening of the stance answers all his woes, but his willingness to make changes is what's so positive. Um, We all here, I think, tend to think that he's got 30 home run potential in that bat, and he just needs to figure out a way to unlock it. And I think we're hoping that maybe this batting stance change is the answer. So, 
uh, it's enough for me to buy, especially at this price. I mean, this costs you nothing. The question is, where is he going to be in the lineup? Now that they got all these guys. Yeah, but if he if he corrects his issues, that'll resolve itself. Yep. And a lot of mounts to feed. Joe, just to follow up on what you said, it was a great catch. Um, not only does Franco have 30 homer potential, but he's the type of hitter that makes sufficient contact and keeps his K rate low enough that if he can cure his Babbitt woes and his power woes, um, he's going to be like a 280-30 homer guy, which brings him closer to what I was talking about with Beltre, where you combine the power with a really good batting average, and it sets him apart from that big middle that we talked about where we went from Devers on down to uh, Kyle Seeger and Evan Longoria. Um, if he finds it, he's going to be a huge profit. He was on my all-sleeper team. I love him. I think that he's a fantastic value and a really good gamble this late. Okay, 23rd, Todd Frazier, Fantrax, 274.06, NFBC, 278.04. In the three years prior to last season, Frazier's lowest finish was 44th overall. Is he being drafted at his floor? And what odds do you give him of a rebound? Uh, you know, I kind of want to say that I, I disagree. <laughs> uh, it, it, it's, it's it's hard for me to wrap my head around Todd Frazier because the batting average is just, is just so hard to live with. Uh, I think the magic number for us has always been 230, right? But if he gives you 40 home runs, I could probably, I could probably live with 225, but he also has that 210 floor that he could hit. Um, do I think that there could be a return in value? Of course. The guy has uh, great power. Uh, the last four years, he hasn't hit less than 27 home, 27 home runs in either of the years. Last year, we saw a dip in stolen bases. That could go back up to 10+. Plus. And there's possibly a guy here who could go 30-10 in the umpteenth round of the draft. Uh, but there is a true downside in his, in his average. And he's the kind of guy where when he looks bad at the plate, he looks bad at the plate. And when he gets cold, he gets... Corey Dickerson cold. Corey Dickerson cold. <laughs> um, he could go a month without a hit. Um, but I'm willing to take the shot on him at this point. But I, I do get the merit. I do see why his ADP is here. Joe, do you see me He's reaching out right now? <laughs> Pat, it's all you. I'm looking for the hot tag. Take it. Go. Tag him in. All right, listen. In the three years prior to last, Frazier was a top 20, top 30, top 50 finisher. And now he's 31 years old and he's coming off a bad year and he can no longer play. This to me reeks uh. of bad process and recency <laughs> bias. I know he's had bad batting averages the last two years. I also know he didn't run much last year, but he deserved better on the batting average front. X stats indicate he should have been closer to a 240 hitter. They had his batting average, expected batting average is 238. That's without making any adjustments. He's not a guy with the strikeout problem. He lives in the low 20s. He upped his OBP in terms of, excuse me, he upped his walk rate huge last year. The issue is strictly Babbitt. And as I said, with the X stats, he might not have even have to do anything to fix that. It might just be as simple 
matter of getting better luck on balls in play. Frazier is also a guy who's made adjustments before, and at 31 is not so old that he suddenly lost it and he can't fix what's wrong. I don't think we're worried about the power here, more so getting the batting average to a 260 and 240 level. Um, with the speed, he didn't run at all with the Yankees. I bet they put the red light on him because that lineup was awesome. With the White Sox, he may have approached 10 steals. And he's not the fastest guy when you look at the sprint score, but he's always been a player that was kind of like what Joe mentioned with Travis Shaw. He's a very typically a very smart base runner. The steals that he had in Cincinnati and when he was with the White Sox came because he was able to take advantage of pitchers not paying attention. Based upon the fact he didn't have much success last year or steal a ton of bases, I think pitchers might sleep on him again, and that's how he gets back to 10 bags. Um, there's also been a narrative out there that he might move around the diamond, possibly even the second base. And if he can get second base eligibility, that adds to his value. Either how, way, how, I'm... Wait, 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 rewind. How was he playing second base? There's been talk that the teams that are interested in him are interested in him possibly at second base. Okay. Yeah, that would that would obviously be a huge plus. But yeah, I haven't heard that. Um, either way, I'm looking at Frazier as a bat that can hit 30 plus bombs, steal around 10 bases, and hit 240 with good OBP. If you add good counting stats to that, he's Jake Lamb or better, 170 picks later. Yeah. Well, no. How? Where are you getting his batting average coming up that much? It's been on a steady decline. Well, his next stats was 238. So that puts him right around 240. Yeah, okay. the, the thing with me, I'm going to tie break this one this time. The thing with me is that that swing. Oh, it's, it's Yeah, I know. It's oh, bad. It's oh. so bad. It's tough, like, but he's made a living off of it. So you can't really, you can't really I, say, you know what I mean? It's And he's I, made the adjustments before, guys. And he's only 31. Yeah, he's younger he's a, than I am. <laughs> <laughs> wow, is that true? Yes. <laughs> old. All right, let's move on. Yeah, let's 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 move on. No, let's not move on. <laughs> Todd Frazier is a total steal at this price, people. Yeah, get him. You yeah. will not regret it. Yeah, you will. When he bats two ten. No. And he's scoring diggers and cold. Yeah, and he, and, and he never touches second base. <laughs> he well, is he a really good. Second, he might touch second base if he plays it. Yeah. Twenty <laughs> <laughs> fourth at the position, Matt Chapman, two eighty seven point eight three in fan tracks. 274.57 on NFBC. Glove first third baseman showed some intriguing pop. Are you intrigued by the power at minimal cost, or have you checked out of third base at this point? I'm not checked out of third base at this point because we're going to get to a couple of guys that I like, but I'm checked out on Matt Chapman. I'm not really a big fan. He strikes out too much for my liking. Um, yeah, the power is there, but I just don't see the upside in the power as much as some other guys that we mentioned tonight and that we're going to get to in a second. Um, so I'm just not a big fan. I'd rather wait and take a guy who's a little bit safer. Yeah. So uh, two things I got here. One is that I don't agree at all with steamers projected seven stolen bases. I don't think he's particularly fast and he's got poor success rates stealing both in the majors and the minors. So I wouldn't count on anywhere close to seven stolen bases. But the other thing I'd want to mention, though, is that uh, Matt Chapman in an on-base percentage league 
shouldn't be going uh what is it 80 picks after healy uh 80 uh yeah 80 picks after healy um because in an on-base percentage league they're like really similar players in a batting average league i totally get it but it de- it definitely depends on on what type of league you're playing in that's actually a really good point yeah they are like they, they are like the same player actually and obp versus average yeah, I, I find Chapman to be intriguing. Um, he he got a lot better as the year went along. He went from a six percent walk rate in July to eleven point five percent in September. His K rate shrunk from thirty one point nine percent to twenty one point two percent. He's got the fly ball heavy profile, um, but it, it's with thirty six percent hard contact, which is good and consistent across the fly balls. Is above, he was above average on barrels per batted ball event. Fly ball to line drive velo was inside the top 50 and tied with Chris Davis and Trey Mancini. Good defense means he's going to play every day. I, I think that the bat is a 30 homer bat with an average r- ranging from 260 to 230. And as Joe said, when it comes to the speed, uh, he was over three on the bases, but He's got a pretty good sprint speed score, so I think there is some home for the Steels. Um, although Oakland's not a team that usually likes to run, so I mean, I would cap him at about five, and then you know anything else is money in the bank. Okay, twenty fifth, Nick Senzel, Fantrax two eighty nine point one six, NFBC three ninety five point seven six. He's among the top prospects in the game, but it is unclear whether he will play at this point in terms of position. What do you think of his upside? And when do you think he ultimately gets the call? Yeah, I, I don't think he gets the call this year. Yeah, I, I mean, listen, he he has not played that much in Double A. He did not play in Triple A at all. He's got to touch Triple A, and I think he's going to be in Double A for just a little bit longer. But uh, I'm definitely intrigued. Uh, you get power and speed, really good average, good contact hitter, walks, doesn't strike out much. What's not to like? It's just a matter of when he comes up, and he may see some time at the end of the year. Um, because the team is probably going to be out of it. Why not bring him up, get him some exposure? But I, I, I would give I would give him a 50% chance of seeing any type of major league play this year. Yeah, this is a, this is a path to playing time issue, right? But there are a couple, couple of paths, right? First of all, they've, they've, uh, they've tried uh, playing Senzel in outfield in the minors, right? So... Um, I think they're aware that they've got a little bit of a crowded infield right now, um, and they might be willing to move someone like Billy Hamilton. So there may be some sort of path to playing time, but there's still Shebler, Winkler, and Duval. But if any one of them seriously struggles or gets hurt, maybe Senzel gets a spot in the outfield. Same thing could be said about Suarez, Peraz, or, or Scooter Jeanette in the infield. So um, they've got a lot of moving pieces. Uh, it's hard to say exactly when he's going to come up. I do think it's ultimately this year. I do think he's close to being ready. I don't think he has to really touch AAA to, to, to see some MLB action. And I think his upside is he's like a 290-ish, 15-15 type guy. Yeah, uh, to me, I, th- I think he's more like Bregman in terms of skill set. I think he's a 2015, 275 type with upside beyond that. He's got good command of the strike zone. I would prefer to see the K rate dip a little bit, but I think that could come with time and exposure. Um, and I think he's probably up by about the all-star break. 
Uh, as Joe said, I, I think it's going to come in the infield. I think they're going to give Peraza and Jeanette half a season to sort that situation out. If Peraza moves to super utility, they'll slide, slide Suarez over to short. If Jeanette is a, you know, 400 at bat wonder and returns to his normal level, Senzel will just slide in at second base. Um, so I, I think that's where we're headed uh, in terms of his playing time path. And I think that'll work itself out by the time July rolls around. All right, well, let's move to our uh, our guys beyond 25. Who do you guys like that's a little bit deeper that wasn't among the top 25? Uh, well, did you did either of you have Fernand Perez on yours or no? I do. Oh, you do? Yeah. Ah, Fooey. All right. I'll let you take it. Well, let's talk. Let's talk about them together. Yeah, let's talk about it together. So I'll I'll start it off and I'll and I'll be brief. Um, so, I, I, so basically, I look at Perez, and if you look at him and Eduardo Nunez together, they are the exact, literally exact same player. Um, but but Hernan Perez is their utility guy, Pat. So <laughs> that, it, it, it could definitely happen with Nunez, but great. Um, now I'm the now I'm the freaking Eduardo Nunez guy, <laughs> <laughs> and there's nothing you can do about it. Like, um, this is like the last person I want to be. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, and there 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 could be a path to playing time here. You've got some streaky guys in the team. Um, Hernan, per- Hernan Perez can play multiple positions. You got a guy like VR who has had some injury risk, uh, who is somewhat of an injury risk and who does go through prolonged slumps. You have a guy like Arcia who could also uh, fall victim to the same fate. Um, and you've got some question marks on the infield. If this guy gets the playing time somehow, he's going to be really, 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 really productive as, as we've seen in the past. Year after year, he's paced out for like, 15-15 with a, with a pretty solid average. I'd love to see what this guy could do with uh, full-blown playing time. I just – you just it's, a, it's just right now a complete question mark. Yeah. Um, but, but, but even if he plays 120 games, if you're in a Roto League, look what he's done the last couple of years in a full, in a, in, in a full year. He's gone – he went 13-34 in 2016. In just 123 games, and last year 14, 13, which still isn't that bad. Um, and I think the speed is better than 13 stolen bases. So uh, this is a guy that I'm definitely keeping my eye on. I would definitely stash him. He's a stash guy because if someone in the on that infield did get injured, he immediately skyrockets in value. Skyrockets. Yeah. So the thing worth mentioning too, right, is that uh, he's you say infield, but he's he also plays the outfield too. Right, so um, I know the outfield's crowded, uh, but between between Brinson and uh, and um, Roxton, and, no, and and Phillips too, right? Brett Phillips in, in in the wings, right? So it's crowded, but he's got a lot of options to play, and he's literally literally half the price of Eduardo Nunez. So I, I I'm totally in with Nick that. Why would you pay all that all that 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 price for Nunez where you're pretty much getting the same exact player in Perez 150 picks later? It's like a no-brainer here. Yeah, and he does find the playing time. And I I actually have the same thing in my notes that he's sort of Eduardo Nunez but a little bit worse but a lot cheaper. Um the one thing I would add on top of what you guys said I think Perez is like the perfect 
handcuffed to VR uh, if you want to spend up at VR and try and get his upside because I think Perez is the guy that takes his spot if VR struggles. That is that? really good. Yes. Yeah, I like that a lot. Okay. All right. My uh, my deeper target is Wilmer Flores with a fan tracks ADP of three two three two eight point three two and NFPC ADP of three one nine point nine six. He's also got first base eligibility and second base in ten game starter formats. Um, Flores has shown in consecutive seasons that he's probably a twenty five homer bat. Um, he appears to have traded the benefit um, of that power for a few more fly balls. So that combined with his lack of athleticism means he's probably a minus BABIP guy. But for the record, if he finds the playing time around 500 plate appearances, I could see 20-plus homers in a 265 average. Um, With the signing of Adrian Gonzalez, I'm not sure that the playing time is necessarily going to be there. I think at the moment he probably pencils in as either the team's second baseman or third baseman. Um, I think the Mets are going to add somebody, so he's probably the utility guy. So you can probably leave him on the free agent wire to start the season. But I think he's a worthwhile um, watch list guy going into the year. Any thoughts on Wilmer Flores, guys? Yeah, I, I, I've i always liked Flores. Um, I think that it's a, it's a, it's a good – Good choice for a sleeper. He's kind of a sleeper every year. Um, he's like been my sleeper for like the last three years, like waiting for the breakout. But yeah, you pace out his stats. He's money, and he's not going to kill you an average or anything. So stash him. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to go back to Ryan Hugh again. Why are we paying 130 picks of value for Ryan Healy over Wilmer Flores? Because he has the job, and he has the average. Yeah, but so does Flores. And he has, yeah, but Healy's average upside, I think, is 300 plus. Where... I'd rather have Flores and someone else at 200, I think, than Healy. Okay. All right, Joe, just quickly, because we, uh, m- myself and Nick talked about Ryan McMahon on the First Base podcast. What are your thoughts on him? Uh, so I think if he, if he uh, gets the job, he shoots up easily, uh, beyond the Suarez, Longoria, Franco tier. Like, it's around there, but probably uh, close to being close to leading that since he has a lot of upside. He's got the nice power-speed combo. You like to see. He gets his games in Colorado, which everyone loves. Um, you package it all together. If if he gets if he gets a fair amount of playing time, we could be looking at, like, 17-12 production with a 275 batting average. And there's even maybe more upside because he plays his games in course. So. Because hashtag course. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. That's going to wrap it up for us tonight. Thanks so much for listening. Um, We will be back next week with Shortstop. Uh, Once again, we are the Fantasy World Order podcast on the Fantrax radio feed. I am Pat Donovan. You can find me on Twitter at PatrickFWO. Guys, please let them know your Twitter handles. Nick FWO. And Joe FWO. Hit us up. Ask us questions. Talk to us about baseball. Okay. Thanks so much for listening, guys. We'll be back next week. See you.